Hi, I'm Pastor Torrin Brooks, and welcome to Faith Christian Church. So glad you decided to join us today. For the next 30 minutes, we're going to be looking through God's Word and finding ways for it to apply to our lives today. Hope you enjoy this morning's sermon. What the world needs is for one person in their life to be like Jesus. When you look at the characteristics of Jesus, His compassion for the needy, His, his desire to serve, his, his desire to love, and to see people free. Because when you look at Jesus, the, 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 the core ministry of Jesus was threefold. Jesus preached the good news, He healed the sick, and He cast out demons. He preached good news, he met people's physical needs, and he delivered people and set them free. Just like Isaiah prophesied, and the world still needs that. Do you realize it was almost 50 years ago, it'll be 50 years this coming September, this church was founded as Deliverance Revival Tabernacle of Vermont for the sole purpose of seeing, being a, a Jesus example to this community and seeing people hear the good news, being healed of infirmities and being set free from addictions. Deliverance. Revival Tabernacle of Vermont. The world is still looking for that. Now the problem is, very rarely do we say, listen, this is a good idea to do. Do it. A lot of times when we preach, we, we, we hit on different faults and different, different issues. Don't do this. Don't do that. But I want to encourage you this morning, there are some things that Paul lists in Romans that are good guidelines for us to follow. And these are things that Jesus would do if he was here. And I don't know about you, but I want Jesus to be my role model. After all, if I'm not living, acting like Jesus, then the whole purpose for me being here is mute. Amen? Uh, listen, because this is what the world needs. I want you to turn uh, over a couple of pages to Romans chapter 12. And I want to read you two sections of Scripture, Romans chapter 12. And then I want to go back and just talk about it for just a minute. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. Now I'm going to skip down to, to verse number 9 and just read you some of the things that, that, that Paul mentions that I think are very good guidelines, and we'll go back and talk about a few of them. Number 1, verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, and honor giving preference to another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind towards one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. 
having a regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peacefully with all men. Brethren, do not avenge yourselves, but rather place, give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him drink. For in doing so, you heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. John was probably one of the, the first people to get very frustrated with Jesus over this concept of living better. Of living better. You remember John, when John is baptizing in the River Jordan, which, by the way, I had a friend of mine just recently come back from Israel. He loved it. They, uh, he, got, he said he, he never, never would have this opportunity again. So he, uh, he, uh, the, the general superintendent of the of God, George Wood, was leading the tour. And, and so he, he got to be baptized in the Jordan River by Dr. Wood. It was a real incredible experience to be in, actually in the Jordan waters. And, and he said, but when John was at the Jordan, John was not everyone's favorite preacher. I don't know if you remember this or not, but John would preach about the, the, the day of the, the year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God. He was talking about fire and brimstone and burning up all you horrible people who are not living for God or saying, you know, he was, and the, when the Pharisees came, now this is the funny part, the Pharisees come to see John because they're interested in what he's saying and he calls them out from a distance, calls them vipers. Now, nobody likes snakes. I hope, I don't, snakes creep me out. I don't like snakes. You know the part about he shall bruise your heel, but you shall bruise his head? That's my goal. <laughs> when I see a snake, I'm bruising its head because God said so, right? You know, it's, it's scriptural. And, uh, and, and, you know, picking up, picking up snakes, is, you know, I, I'm not doing that. Leave that for Paul and the apostles. I'm, I'm sticking with the bruising the head thing. But there, there's this idea of, of he's saying to these people, to, to repent, repent. And he tells them, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? He is wanting wrath to come. John is, is typical of most, most modern-day Christians. Because as much as we want to see the revelation of God in people, we really have this vengeful spirit in the church. It's a spirit of, we want our people to be saved and their people to be squashed. We want our, come on. We can be honest. If we can't be honest in church, we're in trouble. We want our people to be saved, and we want our enemies to find, find the smelly stuff between our toes. We, we want to see us exalted and us get credit for what we do for God. And the bad people who we know are living hypocritical lives, we want to see them put in their place. I mean, I, I know all kinds of people right now who are dying, dying to see what's going to happen in the election. In the fall. And I guarantee you, if one candidate wins over another, they will shout from the high, they will just nan nanny boo boo all this, all bad, you know, because they don't get it. They don't get it. You see, John went to jail thinking Jesus was going to come break the jail open, set him free, and, and go conquer Rome. Even the disciples, after Jesus' death and resurrection, still think Jesus came to wipe the enemies of God off the face of the earth. It's only later Jesus says, listen, you don't get it. 
For God so loved the world, the whole world, the entire world, and everybody in it. Then he gave his only begotten son, you know, Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Everybody to be saved. And the attitude we have had over the church in the last 20 or 30 years has been, let God arise and all of my enemies be scattered. <laughs> let, me, let me win for a change. And let everybody who cuts me off in traffic lose two tires at once. Now you're laughing at me. Some of you, are, are, some of you I connected with you because you thought that. Paul has come to an understanding in Romans that this church has to come to an understanding to. God wants our family, our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, and everyone who lives in our area to be saved. The problem is, in order for the message of the gospel to be preached, it also must be lived. For no one listens to hypocrites. If anything we have learned in the last 15 years of watching politics, it's that we've come to realize that many times when people make promises in Congress, and in a, they're, they're not telling the truth. We've been lied to, we've been shown, they've said one thing but did another, and we have constantly seen that not only in big politics, but in small-time politics as well. We see it in family relationships. We see it in other relationships. And, and many of us have gone through situations where we have seen hypocrisy at its highest level. I've had preachers that I loved and adored come out of the closet with, with some kind of immoral sin. And I think to myself, I trusted that person. And, and now I think, does everything I learned from them a lie? Is every, you know, and the message is, is tarnished. When, when Paul wrote this section of Romans 12, he wrote it in such an intent to say, listen, there is a way that people who believe in God ought to live. And by living such a way, it reminds people of the attitude Jesus had. It reminds people that they can be good. I tell my kids that all the time. You can be good. I've seen it once, twice. Yeah. I, I, know, I know you know you know you can be good. You, but it's a choice. Sadly enough, most American churches today have chosen to live the way they want to live instead of modeling themselves after Jesus. They do so because they know they can get more people in the door. Or because they preach a message that is favorable to itch people's ears or make them feel better about themselves. Uh, they, they think that the things will go better for them. Many people have become camouflaged Christians and they, they hide in, in their workplaces. They hide in their family reunions. They hide in their school reunions. They hide around people. For the sheer reason because to live a life that's above what other people are living causes problems. But Jesus said, anytime you follow me, people are not going to like you. That's why you love them back. 
See, the Bible says that love covers a multitude of sins. And, and even, even lately I've been dealing with a family whose uh, son in the family has, has not chosen to communicate with his parents. And I said, you know, tell him when you see him that yes, we may not have walked where you've walked, but we have loved you everywhere you've walked and will continue to love you wherever you are. When the first thing Paul writes in, in Romans 12, 9, when it says, let love be without hypocrisy, can I tell you that is what the world is looking for in the church? Doesn't mean we have to love their sin. And can I explain something very clearly? Sin in the Bible has not changed from the day it was written till today. And I don't care what cultural bias people have, it doesn't change the Word of God. But no matter what their view is on the laws of God, doesn't change God's love for them either. I hear more and more people battling with the idea of homosexuality and where their stance is on that. Well, I can tell you something. My stance is where the Bible stands on it. It has been and it always will be doesn't mean that God doesn't want them to be saved though so we don't abhor the people we abhor the sin we don't tell the people you're never going to get it we tell the people God still loves you but you need to stop I would tell that to anyone who's suffering from any addiction at all listen if you're hung up on alcohol this morning I want to let you know something the Bible says drunkenness is a sin and God, who doesn't like drunkenness, still wants to save those who have addictions to alcohol. His love for them has never changed. What's changed is, we have gotten into a place as a church where our attitude towards people who aren't like us has become, let's stay away from them instead of loving them. And the world has gotten an idea that the church doesn't want me because of my difficulties and my issues. Well, honey, let me tell you, we all have issues. And God is helping us through our issues. But the, but the idea that God still wants to get out is, you live the example Jesus lived so you can draw the people as Jesus draw. And remember, everything you do that allows people to be reminded of Jesus when they see you reminds them of the cross and the Bible said if I be lifted up I will draw all men unto me so where is it our part in all this our part in all this is very simple when we have a list of instructions we should keep them you know the great thing about God is you know and we used to say this you know it must be difficult for man man must be one of the stupidest creatures on the planet because God puts him in the garden, gives him one command, he can't even keep that right. <laughs> don't eat of the tree. But I'm hungry. Yeah, that sounds like my kid. Don't, don't, don't. But I'm hungry. Yeah, but this idea that we can't keep one rule, much less all these rules. Well, that's why I said before about discipline. Listen, God says, listen, you, you can't do this without help, but I'm giving you help. I'm giving you instructions. I'm giving you a book that you can read in your own language. Aren't you thankful for that? A book you can read. It's not in Greek anymore. It's in English. You can read. The problem is, when are we going to make a decision? When are we going to make a choice that we want to see the world saved? 
You know, some of these are, are hard to do. Uh, here's, here's one. Be patient in tribulation. I like that. It's every day for me. Every, every day. You know, when we struggle with one of our kids still being in pull-ups, seven years old, so it's, you know, that's a, that's, a, that's a hardship. And yet God is faithful. And we're, we're seeing progress, but, you know, it's not fast enough for me. You know, I see other kids, their kids are potty trained at two years old, and I'm thinking, train me, oh Jedi warrior. <laughs> help, help me. And yet God's faithful. Here, here's, here's another one. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not. Oh, no. Do you know more of us curse people under our breath than we realize? I, 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 w- I would challenge you to do something. Uh, a friend of mine did show me this at a retreat one time. I tried it once, and I threw away the paper. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm just being honest. He said, make a chart. Blessings, curses. Mark the date, draw a line. Mark down how many times you bless people during the day. Or how many times a thought or, or a bad word about somebody comes out of your mouth. You don't have to say, I curse you. To, to be, you could say, you're stupid. That's a curse. Oh, pastor, you're being nitpicky. No, I'm being honest. You don't think those negative words have issues with kids? I'll tell you right now, I know kids that have so low self-esteem because all they hear is negative, 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 negative. Listen, I definitely didn't keep a chart in the car on my three-day trip home. That bothered me when I got home. When I got home and began studying for this and preparing God, what God was sharing with me, I said, wow, God, forgive me. God, that wasn't necessary. It wasn't necessary. Do you know, if you begin to bless everyone who curses you, it messes their mind. Some of you have family members who you know don't agree with your faith. You know they don't. And I don't know how they are with you, but some of my family members have been vocal. And when you bless them, say, well, God bless you anyway. And you don't say it like this. Well, God bless you anyway. <laughs> you say, I want God to bless you. Maybe, maybe as God is blessing you, your heart will change. That makes a big difference. You know, when Jesus was up against tough opposition very tough opposition he still wanted the Pharisees to get saved he only called them out on their sin because he wanted to, for them to, to, to come to an encounter with their own sin, their own problems but the goal of Jesus was to save those that were lost to, to, to bring this idea of life and salvation to people but if we're still having issues with our own lives if our lives depict a muddy, unclear picture of who Jesus was no wonder the world gets these Hulus out there uh, on TV claiming to know all the truth in the world and, and don't ever look to us 
It's, it's amazing some of the people, they get on TV these days that claim to be Christians and some of their thoughts, some of their processes, some of their issues. And the world sees a clouded, distorted picture of Jesus and you know what they say? We don't want that. You and I know there's a clear, beautiful picture of a saving Savior who loves them and wants to set them free, but they're never going to see that unless you and I clean up our act. Unless you and I get our act together. It says, if it's possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Wow. As much as it depends on you. Can I tell you, in all honesty, a lot of your life depends on you. Just like all of my life depends on me. I've had several talks with my neighbor next door and as much as I can we, we, we talk peacefully now I don't talk to him about certain politics because I know he'll go on a rampage but, but yeah we, we be, we're peaceful because it is up to us you know who you provoke and you know how not to provoke them You say, Pastor, why are you being so tough? You go on vacation, you come back, you're all, eh. I saw with my own eyes kids I used to preach to who now don't go to church anywhere. They don't live for God. And you know why? Because they don't see anything about God that's attractive anymore. You listen to this preacher real well. Because the fate of your family and your friends and your neighbors and your co-workers receiving the gospel in truth and love depends on you. Paul earlier uh, back in, in, in chapter, uh, in chapter uh, 10 says this. How, verse 14, how then can they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how can they believe in him who they have not heard? And how can they hear without a speaker or a preacher? And how shall they preach unless, it is sent, unless they are sent? For as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. It's not really talking about your feet. Not everybody has beautiful feet. My feet are all, well, you don't want to know about my feet. <laughs> it's not that. It's how wonderful it is. This, is. this is how Paul would write it today. How wonderful is the knock on your door. When you know the person knocking on the door loves you. How beautiful is the knock on the door. Or the ring of the telephone. When the person who picks it up knows that that person who's calling them is on their side and wants to bless them and not curse them, wants the best for them, who loves them, who's praying for them constantly. How beautiful is it to know that we're not alone? says, do not overcome evil with evil, but overcome evil with good. Can I just tell you, when you take off the armor of God to go toe-to-toe with the devil, you'll lose every time. God gave you armor 
for a reason. So when you stand, because Paul says sometimes all you, have to, all you can do is stand. When you stand and you're facing your enemy, at least you have armor on. But when you try to go toe-to-toe with the devil, when you try to lash out at the people who are lashing out at you, it never works. I've never solved a single problem yelling at people who are yelling at me. I'm going to say that again. That's, that's good marital advice. It took me 16 years to learn that. I never succeed when I do evil back, when I think evil is being done to me. Never. I never win when I'm yelling at someone who's yelling at me. And I'm never going to see my friends find Jesus until I realize that my life has to line up as a living picture of who he is. I don't want to be called a Christian because I'm a pastor. I want to be called a Christian because my actions are Christ-like. I don't want to be called a Christian because I go to church. I want to be called a Christian because when people hear me speak, They don't hear curses, they hear blessings. Because that's what Jesus would do. I I don't want to to be called a Christian because I have a Bible in my home. Or because my parents were Christians. I want to be called a Christian because my life resembles His life. Less of me and more of Him. He must increase and I must decrease. I crucify my fleshly desires daily so that the Spirit of God may reign in this mortal body till the day He calls me home. And people can say of me, yeah, He reminded me. When I saw Him, I thought of Jesus. Close with this. One of the greatest testimonies, I think, of the disciples was not when they were called Christians at Antioch, but it was in the trial room. Do you remember this story? They healed the, they laid hands on the man who had been uh, uh, at the gate, and he, they said, "Rise up and walk." It's pretty, pretty bold of Peter to address everybody. He didn't have any money, but yeah, he, uh, he, he said, "Silver and gold have I not, but such as I have given to thee." And they told him, "You can't, you can't be preaching Jesus. You can't be teaching Jesus. You can't be doing the things that he did." And there was a phrase in there that said, "And they knew that these men had been with Jesus." They were different. One day, 3,000 people were saved. One day, 5,000 people were saved. Church grew daily. People met together daily. They worshiped daily. They, their, their lives were different. And I'm, I'm not saying that we're going to start having church, you know, every day of the week, and we're going to do all this. But that doesn't mean you can't have church in your house every day of the week. Does it mean you can't take this list in Romans chapter 12 and say, listen, Lord, here's my good side, and here's my bad side. And Lord, I want you to take over all of it, and I want to start acting like you act. I want to start doing the things you would do. I want to, I want to look through this list, and if I have a problem with one of these issues, I want to work on it. Because I want people to clearly see Jesus in me. I want people to be able to say, that person has been with Jesus. That person knows Jesus person has been in the presence of Jesus. 
something different about that person. It will change my life. If I hang around them, I'm bound to change. You know, there was a day when people who were, uh, people who were sick would seek out people who believed in God that had excessive faith and pr- to have them pray for them. I'll never forget stories about hearing about Smith Wigglesworth. Even in modern days, uh, even though I have issues with his ministry now, uh, Benny Hinn, people would line up around the block to get prayed for. Especially in the early days of his ministry. In the early, these days, they bring people up to the platform. In the early days of his ministry, Benny Hinn would actually walk the sidewalk and lay hands on everyone that walked by. He wouldn't wait for them to come in. He would go out to where they were. There were days when people would come to, 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 to believers in Jesus knowing that if they came to them for prayer, God would set them free of demon possession, uh, addictions, uh, any, any kind of, you know, anything like that. They knew prayer changed things. When's the last time somebody hunted you down for prayer? When's the last time people knew you had a connection with God? We laugh about that. I have some... People in the community will come to me saying, I know you're connected with the man upstairs, so can you pray for this or pray for that? And I chuckle for a minute, but they recognize something. Now, my life's not perfect. But it doesn't stop me from trying. Not to be perfect in and of myself, but to be more and more and more like him every single day I live. Because the world is waiting for the image of Jesus in us. So glad you joined us today, but you really should visit in person. Service times are 10 o'clock Sunday morning, 6 p.m. on Sunday night, and 7 p.m. on Wednesday night. We're located at 582 Rockingham Road, so Highway 5 across from Everyday Inn in Bells Falls. You can also visit our website at www.faithchristianag.com. God bless you. Have a great day.